0: On Huckabee, conservative activist Brandon Strzok, former Navy SEAL Clint Emerson, the Skip Guys hit the big screen, and three time Emmy Award winning the Texas Tenors. That's Trey Corley at the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury.
1: And welcome, everybody. We are so very happy to have you here. I got to tell you that as you are watching this on television, I'm actually in Israel leading a group of Christian pilgrims to see the land of the Bible. Now, it's the first time that I've been able to bring a group since February of 2020, which was just before the pandemic hit us and caused numerous planned trips to be canceled. So before we left for Israel, we taped this show so you would have a brand new and original episode of the Huckabee Show. I first went to Israel in the summer of 1973. Do the math, that's 49 years ago. I wasn't quite 18. It was a life changing experience. Then starting in 1981, I started bringing groups to Israel. And now I have brought thousands of people to this amazing country, which is about the size of New Jersey and can be driven top to bottom in the better part of a day. Some years, I'd come to Israel six or seven times in a single year, and not all are excursions with groups. Sometimes it's a speaking event or meetings with political or business leaders, or just for the personal enrichment to my spiritual life. And I'm often asked, why do you keep going back? Do you ever get tired of it? And my answer is always the same. I keep going back because I learn new things every time, even in places that I've been to probably a hundred times. And no, I don't get tired of it. I get invigorated by it every time. And I love seeing Israel through the eyes of those who come with me for the first time. I watch with great emotion as I see people who have deep and profound moments of personal encounters with God at places that they've heard about and read about in the Bible. And for some who have lost a loved one or who are going through periods of doubt and fear, I see them find closure or clarity. I could never get tired of being a witness to that. Now in the nearly half century of experiencing Israel, I've seen miraculous changes. The literal fulfillment of Bible prophecy that told us that the dry bones would live again and the dry and desolate desert would bloom. I've actually seen both. Areas of the land that were once dusty wasteland are now rich with vegetation and lush lands of milk and honey. And there are forests where once was nothing but dry and brittle bushes. And the sleepy little land where once a struggling economy was barely kept afloat, mostly by people living on Kibbutzim and trying to farm some Jaffa oranges, driving old beat up Russian reject cars. Well, no more. Israel is a thriving nation that boasts more Nobel Prize winners in science and technology than anywhere else in the world. Its medical care is among the best advanced on earth. And it's home to technology that gave us things like the cell phone, GPS, advances in nuclear medicine and robotic surgery, and agricultural achievements like the seedless watermelon and tiny tomatoes. Did you know those came from Israel? Well, Israel is a democracy. Well, here's what that means. There's free speech, actual elections for its leaders, and a legal system that gives everyone equal standing before the law. Israel is a modern day miracle which was revived after 2,000 years of Jews being dispersed all over the globe and almost annihilated in the Holocaust. Now, all of this matters, and it matters because for those of us who believe God and the Bible, the very existence of modern Israel is a validation of the Scripture. And archaeology continues to discover treasures and truths from thousands of years ago like in the incredible discoveries in the city of David. And after all these years, there has never, not once, been an archeological discovery that controverted a single verse of Holy Scripture. Because God has kept his promises and validated that his word is trustworthy when very few things on this earth are trustworthy. So yeah, it's still a place I wanna go over and over. In fact, I'll go back next February and take a group. Maybe you'd like to go with me. Not too early to start planning for it. I've got all the details at thegreatesttrip.com. And one reason I'll go again is because the crazier this culture becomes, the more refreshing it is to know that God spoke truth that stands the test of time and space. And we can visit that space and see it for ourselves. Brandon Strzok is a conservative activist best known for the walkaway campaign. Now, we've had him on the show more than once to talk about it. But now he is also one of the most prominent cases from the events of January 6 of 2021. Strzok's lawyers say that the government was focused on establishing an organized conspiracy between Strzok, President Trump, and allies of the former president to disrupt the joint session of Congress on January 6th. Strzok says, there was no such conspiracy. Would you please welcome back to the show to tell the real story of January 6th, Brandon (laughs) Strzok. Man, since you were here before... I've been busy. Whoa, have you ever... (laughs) Uh, First of all, let's get right to it. Yeah. There was a raid on your house. Yes. You were arrested. Yes. You were confined. I was jailed. And then uh, you had to wear an ankle monitor for how long? Three months. Three months. You've been put on the TSA, like, no-fly list or terrorist watch list. It's a terrorism
2: watch list, yes. All because you were at the Capitol, but you never went inside the building. I did not. So I was actually scheduled to be a speaker at the Capitol on January 6th. A lot Uh of people may not realize this, but there was actually supposed to be another permitted event at the Capitol after a march from the ellipse to the Capitol. Uh So I was approaching the Capitol when I started hearing messages from people who are watching at home on television saying, we're hearing that people are going inside. And I thought, well, that sounds unusual. So I began filming. Yeah. And I approached the Capitol from the east side and I got up on the steps and I held my camera like this for about eight minutes on the east side Capitol steps. Now, I keep saying this because when people think about the window smashing and the struggles with police officers and things like that, that was happening on the west side of the building. I didn't witness any of you that. You saw nothing like it that. It was very calm for the most part where I was, but there was no violence. There was no window smashing, yeah. nothing like that. But the doors were open uh-huh. and some people were walking inside. So I stood there filming that for about eight minutes. And uh, and then somebody came outside of the building. He got on a bullhorn and he said, they've cleared Congress. Everyone's gone home. Everybody clear out. And I immediately cleared out. I went back to my hotel room and I uploaded my video to Twitter. And I said, this is what I saw yeah. today at the Capitol. And then it was probably about an hour after that that I started to see the footage on the news of how bad it was on the West Side. And I felt bad, so I took my video down. Yeah. Thought nothing of it. So two and a half weeks later, I was quite surprised when an FBI SWAT came into my apartment, put me in handcuffs, presented me with a search warrant, and took me to jail. What did they charge you with? They charged me with two felonies and a misdemeanor. Uh, The one felony was knowingly occupying restricted grounds, that word knowingly—that is very important to them. Everybody yeah. who's getting charged on January sixth, were the only people in the world who knew that you're not allowed to go on the steps of the Capitol. No one else seemed to know that. I but thought the, you could go on the steps of the Capitol. I, I never. you should heard. have called me because I knowingly <laughs> went on those restricted steps. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, uh, the uh, uh, misdemeanor of disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. And then they charged me with a felony of impeding an officer in the line of duty. Yeah, it was, uh, this one's really hard on me. It's still very hard on me to this day. In the video that I shot, there's a moment that lasts about six seconds where one Capitol Police officer comes to the doorframe, and uh-huh. this is about 35 feet away from me. Somebody grabs his plastic shield out of his hand. And when the person does that, a few people in the crowd start chanting, take it, take it. The FBI said, that's you. We know that's your voice. You're the one encouraging the crowd to take the shield. So they charged me with a felony. And uh, my lawyers and I had to spend a, a year working through this case. Ultimately, we got the felonies dropped. But in exchange for getting the felonies dropped, I confessed to being the person who shouted, take the shield. That was a part of my plea agreement. So
1: even though you didn't do it, you had to confess to that. But they dropped the felony. So you ended up getting charged with a misdemeanor.
2: I ultimately got charged with a misdemeanor. Uh, I have no criminal record. This was the only uh, crime that's on my criminal record. It's a class B nonviolent misdemeanor. And I was sentenced after already going to jail. I spent uh, two and a half days in jail. Uh, I was raided. The case took a year. I was uh, sentenced to three months house arrest, three years of probation, uh, 60 hours of community service, the maximum fine of $5,000, and I was ordered to pay $500 restitution to the Capitol, although I didn't commit any violence or destruction to
1: okay, the Okay, so Brandon, I wonder, does, does this have anything to do with the fact that you were a longtime liberal, a longtime Democrat, who decided that maybe they they were lying to you. The you thought. became a conservative and a Trump supporter and the next thing you know they got you on the ground and they're hauling you to jail. I mean, do you think there's any connection there? Just, well,
2: just wondering. They're not even being coy about that. I mean, they in the sentencing recommendation, the government wrote a 30-page sentencing recommendation for my misdemeanor charge. My attorneys, both of my attorneys collectively have about 50 years of federal uh, trial experience. Yeah. One of them said, "I have handled uh, cases with networks of drug cartels. He said, I've never seen a 30-page sentencing recommendation in my life and for a misdemeanor charge. But uh, in this 30-page sentencing recommendation, they said over and over again, Mr. Strzok mm. is the leader of this walkaway movement. Mr. Strock has a very large social media following. We think that this makes him particularly dangerous, particularly a okay. risk to the community, and therefore must receive a sentence that's really going to teach him a lesson and be a deterrent. So
1: did you walk away from the walk away movement. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, it's been a really tough year. I mean, you've paid a price yeah. just for yeah. taking a stand. Yeah. A yeah. real price. No, it's bad. I'm stunned. I mean, it's like, this doesn't happen in America. But you haven't abandoned the movement that you started called walk away.
2: Oh, absolutely not. No way. And if that, In fact, if anything, I think that I'm more emboldened, more empowered, more determined than ever to fight back against the left mm. because this cannot happen in this country. Yeah. I don't want to live in this type of America. But there is something that I need to say to you while I'm here. And this is going to be really hard for me to say, so I just want you to let me try to get through this, okay? Okay. This year, I had my life annihilated. I Mm. was destroyed, and I spent an entire year having the media just absolutely obliterate me, saying that I was a terrorist, a domestic terrorist, saying that I was an insurrectionist, and saying that I was encouraging an attack on a police officer. Going through this entire experience... It was almost complete silence from the Republican Party and almost complete silence from the conservative side. I, there were many days where I didn't even know how I was going to get through to the end of the day uh, as I was going through this. One day, somebody reached out to me and they said, did you hear what Mike Huckabee said about you? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they forwarded me an email that you wrote and you sent to your followers in which you said, and I, you didn't even know I was going to read it. You just did no. it to do it. But you said they're accusing Brandon Strock of encouraging this attack on an officer. They're accusing Brandon Strock of doing all of these things. And you said, I know Brandon Strock, and this does not sound like the Brandon Strock I know, and I don't believe this for a second. Mm. And I just want to say thank you so much because I can't tell you. Well, I believe in you. I do. I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Mm. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And, Brandon, thank you for not giving up. Uh, I just want to say thank you for having the guts to f- just fight back and not to walk away from a movement Never. where you're trying to get other people to say, look at what's happening to our country. That's right. Now, if you want to keep up with Brandon online, and I really hope you do, this guy needs your encouragement and your support, we have a link to Brandon at Huckabee.tv. You'll go directly to his walk-away movement, and I hope you can encourage some of your friends to join Brandon in walking away from the craziness that has happened in this country. All right, Keith Bilbrey, don't you go anywhere. Don't you dare walk away, because we want to hear about the rest of the show. I'd love to. Coming up, retired Navy SEAL
0: and author Clint Emerson, later classical music hitmakers that Texas tenors perform on Huckabee.
1: Samaritan's Purse is reaching out to people all over the world who are in need with both physical aid as well as spiritual hope. And they're doing it in amazing ways. And when you give a gift to Samaritan's Purse, you're directly reaching out all over the world with the hope and truth of the gospel. I hope that you will consider going to the Samaritan's Purse website or calling them, but doing it today and giving a gift of any size because it will matter. Thanks And God bless for helping. Clint Emerson is a retired U.S. Navy SEAL with 20 years of special ops experience. He's also a best-selling author, and he's got a brand new book. Just came out not long ago, and it's called The Rugged Life, The Modern Guide to Self-Reliance. He says that these last two years have shown us just how fragile society can be And it's his mission to teach you and your family to be more self-sufficient, whether you want to homestead out in the country or just grow your own salad on a windowsill in a city apartment. Probably be a pretty small salad, but nevertheless, it's possible. Please welcome to our show, Clint Emerson. Clint, great having you here. Thanks Thanks for having me, Thank you. Appreciate it. You spent 20 years at the highest levels of our toughest operators, Navy, SEALs, uh, you know, and, and team six, when you retired, one of the things that people wanted you to teach them was how to survive. If there was something that went down that got tough for families, uh, how to make it. And that's part of what you've done in the rugged life. But do you think Americans are prepared for something cataclysmic, catastrophic that could happen to our society, whether it's uh, wide scale riots or crime in the streets, are we ready for that? Uh, I don't think so. And uh, I think the pandemic showed just how
3: ill-prepared we really are. And um, technology caught up very quickly. We were able to order food and have it delivered to our door. We're able to make sure the coffee's ready when we stop by our favorite (laughs) coffee shops. Um, (laughs) But what that did is it just built complacency and a little bit of laziness. And so I figured, well, why not put something together to get people back to their roots, skills, doing things with their hands again, and then allowing them to really take ownership in everything they're doing in life. You can either take a,
1: a small step or you can leap all the way in. People have to start preparing for the what ifs, right? Right. So yeah. what do they do? What, what is? If you would just say, okay, these are the three most important things that you as a family better be prepared for, what would they be? That's a pretty big question. Um, first and foremost, having a plan and
3: start simple, and I always say, hey, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. Yeah. Um, Next is part of that plan is having a communication system so that you can talk to your loved ones, have ways of doing it, multiple uh, modes of communication so that if something happens when someone's not home, they can still get the word. Um, Ensuring that you are prepared across the board as it relates to the equipment or vehicles. I mean, there's so many things on the list that you know we, we really take for granted. And as we're seeing, whether it's you know gas prices going up, supply chain issues, the economy coming down, um, some stuff is going to get harder and harder to get a hold of. But if you're doing it yourself, then you're creating a gap
1: between you and the crazy world out there. Clint, I don't want to scare people, but on the other hand, we're seeing a high increasing level of home invasions, nice homes. people think they're safe, and somebody just breaks in their home and puts them on the ground, sometimes they kill them, other times they don't kill them, Uh, but people are traumatized and they're robbed at gunpoint. Uh, Sometimes they're physically abused while people are in their homes. How can people prepare for that kind of situation, and should people be thinking about that what if?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, crime is one of those things that almost is on the same uh, scale with the economy when things yeah. start to go down everything goes down with it, right? So uh, Some of the stuff you can do is look at your home and then set up a layered approach You know starting with an outer perimeter, which is talk to your neighbors Everyone look out for one another and then as you inch your way in you want to deter the bad guys So light up your home on the outside keep it dark on the inside You know your blueprint better than anybody else let the bad guy stumble and fall while you go grab the gun yeah. Whatever it is, you know, it's uh <laughs> There's a layering approach. I keep it super simple and you know, it's all in there for everyone to digest easily.
1: I mean, I think the basic thrust of the rugged life that you've written is to tell people, here are some specific things that you should do in your home. Now, if people say, you know, I'm gonna get a gun, I'm gonna protect myself. It's sort of incumbent upon them to learn how to use it and use it properly so they don't hurt themselves, right? No doubt about
3: it. Safety first, training all the time. Make sure you get the education and knowledge from experienced professionals and then you've got to get out on the range. And most people think it's all about the shooting, but uh, how I draw it becomes really important. And most people think, oh, I'll put it in my nightstand, I'll keep it in my purse, but those aren't places where it's readily available. You know, you've got to make sure when you're doing concealed carry, you're doing it right and you actually train it all the time. I say, before you leave the house, you stand in a mirror and you actually practice your draws 10 times, you know, you're good to go just to keep the muscle memory, you know, fresh.
1: A lot of women are very afraid if they get out of their car to pump gas, somebody can carjack them, take their car, sometimes with a kid in the car. I mean, those are real things that happen to Americans every single day. Are there tips in here for how to better protect yourself against those things that you're just going about your business and even in a nice neighborhood, and it still happens? Yeah, there's an entire chapter on be your own protector, and it gives some great points and skills
3: that everyone can focus on But the other series of books I have, 100 Deadly Skills,
1: really dives in deep onto those types of skills. Anybody that's been a Navy SEAL for 20 years, I don't wanna mess with you. (laughs) People would mess with me. They ain't gonna mess with you. So I wanna find out what I can do, not to be a Navy SEAL, but to be better prepared to protect myself, my family, and my home. And I'm so grateful. The Rugged Life is the book. And uh, it is available. It is out now. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And I hope you will check out the links that we have to it on Huckabee.tv. And we also have links to more on Clint and other books and uh, materials that he has produced. Right now, we've got a very rugged announcer, and he won't let anyone come over there and take that podium from him. So we're going to turn it over to him because we're scared of him. He'll tell us what's coming up you next. You better not try.
0: Next, headline stories to make you laugh on Mike's In Case You Missed It. Plus, magician Eric Jones. More Huckabee is on the way. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter.
1: And welcome back. By the way, I don't know, I know you recognize the song Magic Carpet Ride by John Kay and Steppenwolf from back in the 60s. And we're two of the people that actually lived through it and remember living through the 60s. We know the lyrics, man. We do. We could play that song. You don't know what
0: you will find. Come on little girl.
1: Do you know who sings that, Keith? But you know why I love that they played it? Because this band can play anything. 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 They're amazing. And we are so grateful for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Well, from giant bathrooms to Elephant's Toothpaste, We have the big, big stories that nobody else would ever cover for a variety of reasons on In Case You Missed It. Well, I've got to be very delicate in reporting this first story because I bet some of you grew up in the country And you know what an outhouse is. (laughs) Well, a tourist on top of Mount Walker in Washington state felt the call of nature and had to use an outhouse. Naturally, being a city slicker, she couldn't even use an outhouse without taking out her cell phone, which she accidentally dropped down the hole. Oh, not good, not good. Now here's how you know that you're way too attached to your cell phone She tried to fish it out, and she fell headfirst into the tank and couldn't get out. Wow! She managed to find her phone, which still worked, even after 15 minutes in a sewage tank. I'm sure she was by that time very relieved. (laughs) Anyway... Firefighters came and they pulled her out, probably wishing that they had had a forest fire to deal with instead of that. And they said that she declined medical treatment. I think what really happened, the doctors declined to give her any medical treatment. Get her out of here. They said that she just wanted to hose off and leave as soon as possible, which I'm sure (laughs) was everyone's feeling. By the way, I know how she feels to some degree about being in a sewage tank. I've been to Washington, D.C. Oh! Same thing. Speaking of bathrooms, there's a house for sale in Lancashire, England at a deep discount. And the reason? Probably because it has kind of a weird floor plan. The kitchen is tiny, but look how spacious the bathroom is. Look at this. That's the bathroom. Wow. That's what HGTV would call the open bathroom concept. It's like a bathroom for basketball players. (laughs) I mean, if you need that much toilet legroom, then the bathroom mirror needs to be hung a whole lot higher, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, this isn't a Guinness World Record, but a study by Swedish scientists have named vanilla as the world's favorite smell. I noticed that it wasn't an outhouse, was not on the (laughs) list, but vanilla. And they asked people from all different cultures, ranging from fishermen to city dwellers to indigenous hunter-gatherers to rank 10 different smells. Vanilla was named the most pleasant, followed by pineapple and lavender. Hey, come on, people, wake up and smell the coffee, right? <laughs>
2: What's wrong with that? By these the people? way,
1: the least popular smell was a combination of stinky cheese and sweaty feet. Wow. Somehow that does not surprise me. Although that smell was number one in France. Yeah. <laughs> Audience is just now catching oh, it. Oh, what about skunks? There were skunks on I I'm sure it was on the list. Yeah. By the way, do you know what you get if you combine the scent of vanilla pineapple, stinky cheese, and sweaty feet? What? Your aftershave. That's what Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh Have you ever heard of elephant's toothpaste? I I don't think I'd ever heard of it before. Uh, No, that's new. Um, Uh, something I had to learn. It's the foaming chemical reaction that you get when you mix hydrogen peroxide and dish soap with potassium iodide. The Kiwi Co. Educational Toy Company wanted to set a world record for the biggest elephant's toothpaste reaction on ABC's Live with Kelly and Ryan. And here is what happened. Now this that's a huge reaction, isn't we, it? We've got to try that on this show. Oh, ship. my goodness. Maybe that. not. Because <laughs> this created over 12,000 cubic feet of foam. Sadly, and most unfortunately, their world record for the biggest violent foaming reaction of all was broken just one week later when Elon Musk bought Twitter. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> Well, before you all start foaming at the mouth over all of these crazy jokes, we're gonna end it right there. But remember, next time that we read the news, so you don't have to. coming up, be amazed by magician Eric
0: Jones, plus singing sensation that Texas thinners perform right here on Huckabee.
1: Welcome back everybody. Now we are here with magician, Eric Jones. When he was with us before, he pulled silver dollars out of thin air. So with the price of gas lately and inflation, I said, we gotta get him back right now. (laughs) He has performed for top corporations at the Magic Castle and on TV in 19 different countries, including America's Got Talent and he has fooled Penn and Teller. He's back for a much easier feat of simply fooling us again. (laughs) Hey, we're we're easy marks, right? Welcome the amazing Eric Jones. (laughs) Good to have you back, Eric. Thank you so
4: much for having me back. Good to see you. Good Good to see you. So the last time I was here, I did something really cool with money. Mm -hmm. I want to step it up a little bit, but it's still going to use a little currency. In we get to keep it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> these are collector coins. I actually got them from my grandfather. Yeah. Uh, these are really old Walking wow. Liberty American yeah. half dollars. If you don't mind, take a look at them. Make sure they are exactly what they oh, seem yeah. to be.
1: They seem to be the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's got a date on them. Don't do that, man. <laughs> don't buy it. It's like nineteen forty-five, I yeah. think. And yeah, but they're real.
0: They're definitely absolutely.
1: Good. And they've seen some. They've seen some they've circulation, seen some haven't they? They've been you around.
0: Bet. Me for 15 years. 1935. That was wow. You were born that
1: year. Uh, earlier than that, but don't tell the audience. <laughs> they think I'm younger.
4: Now, here's the thing. Money is legal tender. It's made to change hands from your hands to your bill collectors, from mm-hmm. your bill collectors to the bank. And, and to, the they, mm-hmm. to the IRS. Or to the IRS. And eventually they can find their way back to you. Sure. I'm going to show you how money Passes from one place to the other. Now it's important that you can see everything that happens. So okay. if you can see all four coins, make I sure you all let the four audience know. I can't. Can can. You bet. Here's the idea. Okay. Watch closely.
1: Well, Where did that other one go? Because there's three, oh. and he had. There it is, in the other hand. Uh-huh.
4: That would be hmm. the
1: first one. Uh But you know
4: a lot of people might think that all this is is sleight of hand. Yeah Or maybe it goes up the sleeves, but the entire dynamic of this thing changes when the magic comes out of my hands And into yours Mm. Are you willing to help sure may I ask are you left or right-handed? I'm right handed. Would you mind opening your right hand kind of like a table? And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna leave these three coins here on the palm of your hand So you've got three I've got one. Right. Oh, okay. okay. you, you don't you have any. Yeah, I not yet. <laughs> <laughs> <But> he's, <just laughs> he's just said that. Uh, if you don't mind, take your left hand and very gently cover the coins. And you can see mine. Mm-hmm. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have you cup your hands like I'm doing here, okay. and I want you to shake the coins very okay. gently. Okay. Go ahead and start very gently. And let some air in there so you can hear them jingle. And listen.
1: Listen. I hear them jingling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear them. Do me a favor,
4: dump yours here whoa. onto the table. Okay. How many of you whoa, got? Whoa, 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 whoa. How cool. He is that? had
1: three, now he's got two, and you had one, and now you've got two.
4: In fact, we're gonna try it again. In fact, if you don't mind, I'll have you do me a favor. Okay. Hold your right hand out, just like so. Okay. What I want you to do is allow your middle finger and thumb to slowly come together. Okay. If you don't mind, turn your hand at the wrist and then bring it directly above the table. Okay. That's perfect. Now, if you don't mind, take your left hand, turn it palm up, and place it about six to eight inches under your right.
1: Oh, okay. Kinda now, like the that. reason that I'm doing that
4: is to keep everything as fair as possible. You'll sure. notice how I'm holding on to these two coins by their edges. Governor, yeah. I'll have you open your middle finger and thumb. Like this? Yeah, and I'll have you hold on to those two by okay. the edges so that everyone can see All right. we've got two and two. Now two. in a moment, All right. what I'm going to have you do is I'll have you drop those coins onto the palm of your hand. It'll be important that you catch them. Don't let them hit the table. Don't let them hit the floor. All right. No
1: pressure. Not a Separate bit. Separate your hands just
4: a little bit more. Okay. And what's going to happen is it'll happen after three, meaning one, two, three, then you'll let go and catch. Okay. Taking a deep breath. Slowly exhale. One. Two. Three. One. What Would happen- you mind grabbing that one? Sure. One. Two. And three. Go ahead and pick that one up. No, you, you popped oh, it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what? Yeah. I knew he was gonna well, try this. something. But in your hand, if I've got three, you just had two, if you don't mind, yeah. slowly, open your hand and show us how many you've got.
1: You've okay. got one. Just wow. one. Okay. One last try. So that's. All right.
4: Three plus one is four all day, right? That is, but that's, I had that's two in there. Education.
1: So, okay. <laughs> I had two.
4: We'll try this one more time. Okay. And this. Same thing? No, we're going to try it in your hands one more ah, time. If all that's right. Okay. Open your right hand. Open your right hand. Right.
0: Listen,
1: right Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> Good choice. That's one. Your other right. Two, three, four. Groups. You got all four? Got four. Okay.
4: I'm going to slowly square them up right at the very tips all of my right. fingers so they're in a nice little stack like poker chips. I got it. I'm only going to take this one, and I want you to close your hand around the others. Turn your hand over so that I can't get to them. Okay. Watch the last one. I'll go as slowly as I possibly can. You can watch the sleeves, but watch. It's
1: gone. It's gone. Oh. If it's in your hand, y'all conspired. <laughs> this place is haunted. Yeah. Go ahead
4: and take a look. Go ahead and take a look. Show us what you've got. Up. That's one, two, three. Russian sure. collusion, that's
1: what that is, <laughs> has to be, it's amazing, and I was watching your hand and that one disappeared, I have no idea. Where I felt nothing from. in my hand, I mean I, I
0: closed it around the coins and that's, that's what I That felt. sounds like a All personal right. problem. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's it awesome. Is awesome,
4: well thank you so much. Well,
0: we that got really to figure it out. It. Now if you want to
1: see more of Eric Jones and uh, take his coins, You can follow him on social media or you can book him for your event. To do that, go to huckabee.tv for all the links that you need. Now, hilarious comedy duo, The Skit Guys, are coming up right after the break and you don't want to miss it, so stay with us.
0: Huckabee.tv and represent the Huckabee Nation wherever you go. Get your very own made-in-the-USA Huckabee mug, T-shirts, and more.
1: Well, my next guests have been best friends since high school. That's where they discovered they had a mutual gift for spreading the word of God through comedy. Their hilarious new movie, Family Camp, just opened nationwide. Here's a little sneak peek right here.
3: Daddy's bringing home the honey.
4: (laughs) Ah! 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 Run! Run!
0: Get that thing away from me! My skin is on fire! Throw it!
5: It's free! Get rid of it!
1: So <laughs> <laughs> That's a paint. <copay. laughs> Please welcome the Skit Guys, Tommy Woodard and Eddie James. So is it true you guys have actually been, like, best friends since high school?
5: We really have. Yeah, we've been best buddies since, yeah. since high school, which is like five years ago.
1: So yeah. it's really great that... You know, I think that was your worst joke you've ever told. <laughs> because we all know better. That's not true. But it's kind of neat that you've made a career out of just horsing around and making people laugh. But you do a lot of stuff with... Uh, comedy skits, obviously why they're calling you the skit guys. Uh-huh. But I, I've seen stuff on your website, and it's just amazing. You do stuff that churches can use. So uh, this has become a whole industry.
0: Yeah, yeah,
5: we had no idea. Uh, we are the product of our youth Ministry, huh. uh, Our youth pastor gave us five minutes every Wednesday night to do a skit. Uh, we would steal something from Saturday Night Live and try to make it Christian. Yeah, very,
1: yeah. <laughs> Now that would be creative. Very, yeah, hard, to would,
5: very, very hard, hard to do. Very hard to redeem those skits. Because the skits in the 80s, so yeah. all the skits in the 80s, were, you had to get to Jesus very quickly. So yeah. the skit in the 80s would be like, hey, Joe, you seemed really sad at school today. I was
2: really
1: sad at school today. You need Jesus. Thank you. That was a
5: skit. <laughs> yeah, that was a skit. Yeah, that's yeah. really moving. yeah, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, there must have been some churches that recoiled at the notion of not just comedy, but skits and kind of fun things because we were not supposed to have a good time in church, right? Yeah, we,
5: yes, we, in the 80s and even in the early 90s, doing skits, especially in big church when we would do a skit, there was no laughter and it really, okay, well, I think this is funny. Yeah, 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 but everybody just sat there stoically. And then after the show was over... They'd be shaking your hand. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, that's so funny. Yeah. I'll tell you what. And we're like, we thought you were dead. Yeah. Like- yeah. But, but it was, you know, it was irreverent to laugh in church. You yeah. Know? So we, we kind of watch things change throughout the years, throughout the decades. And it's beautiful to listen. We go to churches all over and we'll do family nights and we hear great laughter, you know?
1: I'm excited about this film. You've never done a film before, a full-length, I mean, a, a full-blown movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen the trailer. It looks fantastic. The production value is as good as anything I've seen pure fun, what's the plot of the film?
5: We have made the first faith-based family-friendly comedy, and we're really, really excited. Um, the plot is uh, two families yep. uh, go to family camp with a lot of other families. Uh, his family, you, you did not basically finish the registration online. Right. Yes, and so my... <laughs> I don't want to go to camp. Yeah. I've been blackmailed by my wife to go to family camp. You yes. have yes. to do it. I have to, yeah, God. Yes. Yes. And my family loves camp, and so we too end much. up... His too much. His family loves camp yes. too much. So we end up sharing a yurt together, which is just a glorified camp. Cabin, yeah. right? Yeah. And hilarity and hijinks, you know, we're the odd couple and we have to figure out how to make things work and our families, we all learn
1: lessons along the way. Yeah. So when uh, theatrical release? Yes. Yeah. Being in uh, theaters? And
5: over nine, starting in 900 theaters across that's, the country. That's a big open. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, thank, you. Big big
1: open. Open. thank you. Big open. Thank you. You know, yeah. I hope our audience understands that when there are good family-friendly movies, especially comedies and things that entertain us, if Christian people, mm-hmm. and they don't have to be Christian to enjoy it, but if Christian people don't support these kind of films, there won't be many of them. Because right. there's right. a lot of money invested yeah. to put one on the screen. And I think it's really important that people understand when people say, I just hate what movies have become. They're nasty, they're dirty, they're, they're the filthy talk and, and yeah. all the things with them. You put out one and if people go see them, There'll be another studio that'll say, hey, maybe we ought to be doing more films like that.
5: Yes, sir. Yeah, Yeah. Mike, that's the idea. Yeah, That is the idea. So like opening May 13th, it's like, how many of us can go to the theaters? Because that sends the message, you know? Yeah. And, and we think we've made something. We, one of the things we love is that we have, we have a TV show that we do, and, and, and people will say, you know what? I can't get my dad to go to church, but he loves to watch your show, you mm. know? And so we think we've created a movie that, like, you would be happy to invite a neighbor, uh, a friend, a family member, you know, to go see it. I mean, it's really funny.
1: Yeah. And, and we need to laugh. And we're living in a time where there's not Ugh. a lot to laugh at right now in yeah. our country. Yeah. Uh, you know, saying, oh, that that gas price, that's funny. Oh boy, I just bought groceries. That's a real knee slapper. So, you know, if you can go and be entertained and escape, which is what movies are supposed to do, give us a way to escape from it. So I hope that people will go see it. But I want to, before we let you go, tell us what uh, you also offer to churches, youth ministries and and to churches all over the country in terms of writing and preparing skits and videos for it
5: yeah, we have uh, we have tried really, really hard. we 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 like to say that we are pastors more than pranksters. we hmm. We get the local church, every video that we have, and including this movie, we believe in the three h's. Um, humor, heart, and him. Hmm. So we point him to God. So we believe laughter breaks down walls for truth to enter. And when that, when you laugh and your walls break down, you just got to have something good to say. And we try to point him to God. And in, especially in the videos for churches on yeah. SkateGuys.com, we we try to just uh, be a supplement, never to give away the pastor's sermon or anything like that, but just be an additive to what they're doing. So yeah.
1: Well, some great stuff that you guys have been doing. Obviously doing it pretty well to be able to do it for 30 years. But the movie Family Camp is one that you need to see. It opened in theaters this weekend. You can also book showings for your church, your organization, which would be a wonderful family night at your church. We have links to everything that you need to know about this skit, guys. It's waiting for you right there at Huckabee.tv. So please connect. Right now, Keith, why don't you tell us how we're going to finish this great show? We may go to Family Camp after it's all over. (laughs) Well, coming up, classical music sensation, The
0: Texas Tenors, are on Huckabee. Next week on Huckabee, stand-up comedian Killer Bees, plus husband and wife singers Darren and Brooke
1: Aldridge. And welcome back. We are very excited to welcome the Texas Tenors. They are famous for powerful vocal harmonies, and they've become a fan favorite on NBC's America's Got Talent when they participated there. The Vocal Trio's recordings have debuted three times, listen at this, at number one on Billboard's Classical Music Chart. And they're highly successful. Yes, give them a hand. That is a big deal. And their highly successful television specials have earned them Three Emmy Awards, millions of fans all over the world. Welcome J.C. Fisher, Marcus Collins, and John Hagan, the Texas Tenors. Thank you. J.C., I want to start. You guys first started performing like cruise ships and stuff like that. Yeah, ironically, right in this area is where I met Marcus. We came here to Tennessee and
4: the Millennium was coming out, Celebrity yep. Millennium, the, back in 2000. I was going to so. say, I
1: want to make sure you didn't try to tell me that the cruise ship was in Nashville.
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it sailed right I was here. born at it night, but right not last here. night.
1: But but you met here, yeah, the, and the, the, from here you went to the cruise ship. The production and, company was here, and then we
5: went to St. Nazaire, France, I believe, to yeah. do wow. the rehearsals. And we were on a cruise ship for six months.
1: He and I were right next. So we so became like gosh. brothers, and that's where we met. Was there an instant kind of a bond that, that musically you guys said, hey, this could work? I think at the time, it was more a bond, our fathers, we talked about our lives, how we grew up, yeah. you know, small
4: towns, you know, my, my dad's a farmer, and, he, and so we started talking about that, and then we heard each other sing later, and it was, he had a totally different voice than I had, and same with John, he, he has a totally different
1: voice, and that's when we connected with the voices, but in the beginning, it was just the personalities. And John, you do a lot of, I mean, opera and all sorts of stuff, right? All all kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, Keith and I, we're not that sophisticated. We we have no idea what you're singing when you start singing in Italian. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) You just won me over, man. I'm so happy to know that you don't know either. Was that Italian that I would do it? I don't know. So the three of you now, you've toured all over the world. I think when I hear you guys, and I, I remember hearing you in Arizona in a live event the harmonies are stunning. I mean, it's just like you've been made for this, incredibly gifted for this. So Marcus, when, when you guys sing, does it sound that good to you like it does to the rest of us? Well,
4: you know, you hope so. Yeah. You hope that it, that, that it resonates with folks. And, you know, I remember the first time we sang together, which was Seven Bridges Road. We were in a hotel room. Um, I would say ballroom, but that's not really what it was. it was. like a conference room. It was probably the size of this area right here. And uh, we were getting ready to sing for, for something. And uh, we hit that chord of Seven Bridges Road, the Eagles tune, and we hit that there, you know. And I remember that it had that ring, mm. that, that beautiful tone. I thought, wow, you know, this is, this is powerful. Maybe we do have something. And then we auditioned for America's Got Talent, and, and uh, America put us through to the finals, and, and we came in fourth place that year in 2009, and uh, something resonated with America, and they voted for mm. us. And, and we haven't looked back. You know, 1,500 concerts as the Texas Tenors. 1,500? Yeah. Well, I'm so. glad
1: you're doing it, and I hope you'll keep doing it for many years because the oh, music we we is <laughs> magic. It really is. I want our audience to hear more from the Texas Tenors. You're going to want to. Keith Bilbury will tell all of you just exactly how you can, and we'll hear them in a moment.
0: For the Texas Tenors concert schedule and music, just go to Huckabee.tv for all their links. Now... Here to sing with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike joining in on bass are the Texas Tenors. <laughs> A
4: traffic light where you stop just in time
0: tears looking in her baby's eyes a stranger's smile just when you were feeling so invisible
4: that's a god thing I don't know what it is but I know it's a god thing like a sign from above enough to know it's all gonna be all right He's watching
0: over you and I There's just some things you can't explain
4: That's a God thing I don't know why I've been blessed by your love Or how you found giving up But I'm not
0: gonna question why we're here or where we're standing in this world.
4: That's a God thing Now I don't know what it is but I know it's a God thing Like a sign from above that's enough to know it's all
0: Watching over you and I, there's just something you can't explain. That's a God thing. Cause I believe in something so much bigger than us.
4: A God thing, I don't know what it is, but I know it's a God thing, like a sign from above that's enough to know it's all gonna be alright, watching over you you and I.
0: there's just some things you can't explain.
4: That's a guy.